good. It's nice to be reminded this morning of just how much God has blessed our church with talent in every place. So we thank the Lord for that. If you would join me in prayer this morning as we get started. Father, I pray that you'd be with us. God, please forgive us for taking you for granted. God, forgive us for forgetting how amazing you are and wonderful you are and how you work in and through all these things, God, that we, we, we're not even aware of. God, help us to, to be refocused this morning on you, on your glory, on your honor. God, on the grace that you have shown us, on the power that you have put in us through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as we look at your word together, God, that you would help us. Help us to understand it. Help us to obey it. God, help us to be changed by it. We need you. God, we need you so desperately in this place. God, I pray that you would work in us and through us. God, that you would work through the message. God, that you would work uh, through the singing. God, that you would just work through us this morning and work in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be in John chapter uh, 16 this morning. We're going to look at verses 4 down through 33, continuing our study through the Gospel of John. We're getting closer uh, to the end of our study, uh, and so it won't be too many more months, and we'll be done with John's Gospel. But as we've walked through this, this study of his Gospel, what we've seen week in and week out is this reminder of why he wrote this Gospel, why God... Uh, used the Holy Spirit to inspire the Apostle John to write this gospel. He wrote it so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we would have life in His name. That's why we're studying this, this, this gospel together, is so that we can know who Jesus is, so that we can trust on Him, and so we can know what it is to live in Him, and to, for Him to live in us, and so that we can see this life that He has promised us. And so it, it's no different when we come to John chapter 16, verse 4. We continue uh, this theme of seeing Jesus for who he is. Here he's, we're continuing our study of what some have called the farewell discourse. We're actually coming to the end of it this morning. Uh, John 14, 15, and 16 are Jesus' last words to his disciples uh, before he goes to the cross, before he's arrested in the garden. He wants to share with them some things before he goes away. And so timeline-wise, if Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday, Jesus rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, that means this is Thursday that we are reading these words. This is just moments or, or hours before they come and drag him away and arrest him and then the next day hang him on a cross and crucify him. And so we're, we're talking the moments before Jesus is arrested and ultimately crucified. He is speaking to his disciples and he is encouraging their hearts and he is trying to pour into them these, these last things that they, they need to know. And so these are important words. Well, and as he's doing this, they're, they're getting sad. They're, they're getting sorrowful. I, I mean, how many of you have ever moved away from someone that you really cared about? And you had to say goodbye, or someone maybe moved away from you. Maybe you had a friend or, or, or a loved one that moved far away that you couldn't see anymore. Maybe you lost someone that you love uh, who passed away. It hurts, right? It hurts when we're separated from people that we love. You can imagine what the disciples are going through as Jesus says that he is going away, that he's going to die. They are sad. They are confused. They are worried. Maybe even a little bit angry. I mean, how could this happen? Why would this happen? Why would Jesus have to go away? 
Well, this morning when we come to John chapter 16, beginning in verse 4, we see why he has to go away. He says this to them. He said, but I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, go I will send him to you. And so at the end we'll look at the, the three applications of this passage. But until we get there, I'm going to begin just by talking about the truths that, that Jesus is teaching. The first truth that we see here is that because of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift as a result of what Jesus did on the cross. And the fact that he died and rose again and ultimately ascended to the Father, Jesus provides for us the Holy Spirit. He says, now, I know that you're sad. I know that you're upset. I know sorrow has filled your heart. But it's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage that I, I go away. And so he says the reason why it's to his advantage that he goes away is because the helper will come to them. He will send the helper to them. Well, who is this helper? Well, the helper is the Holy Spirit. He, he is the one who Jesus is going to send to them. He's saying, as I go away, the reason I'm going away is so that I can send you a helper, so I can send the Holy Spirit to you. It's sort of like if you were getting ready to, to go to work and your kid says, hey, no, Dad, I, I want you to stay home today. Don't go to work today. I want you to stay home so I can stay home from school or whatever. And you, you say, no, I'm going to work for your advantage. Because if I don't go to work, the bills will not be paid and you won't have Internet to play your Xbox on. Okay, well, see you later, Dad. Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of... The, the response I've gotten in the past, someone may have said that to me once or twice, but, but, but uh, sorry, Josiah, I didn't mean to tell anybody. <laughs> Forgot they were in here this morning. I'm going to have to change some of my illustrations maybe, we'll see. But, but, but that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that it's for a purpose that he goes away. That they're saying we're scared we'll never see you again. And he's saying I'm going for a purpose. I'm going to the cross so that all who believe in him will, will receive the Holy Spirit. This, this word that he uses here in the Greek is paraclete. I'm sure everybody's going to remember paraclete, right? Paraclete. That's the, the word that Jesus or John uses to describe what Jesus says here when he says that he's going to send the helper. It's, it's really a hard word to describe in English. In fact, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, uh, you may have counselor, you may have uh, comforter, advocate, or in the case of the ESV, helper. It's because this word really doesn't have an English equivalent. It has the idea of, uh, I like the idea of helper behind it because it reminds us that the Holy Spirit is all of these things. He is our counselor. He guides us in the spirit and truth. He teaches us what we need to know. He is our comforter. When the, when the devil comes against us and he accuses us and he, and, and he tries to tell us that everything's not going to be okay, the Holy Spirit comes and says, no, things are going to be okay. God does have your back. He, he's your counselor. He guides you. He directs you. He is your advocate. When the, when the Satan comes and says, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, the Holy Spirit reminds you, no, Jesus died in your place. He's your advocate as well. He is our helper. The Holy Spirit comes to live in each person who's asked Jesus into their life. 
That's uh, who's asked Him to save them. And, and, and when He does, He gives us everything that we need to serve the Lord. He empowers us to serve the Lord. He changes us from the inside out. He gives us the strength we need to face the struggles we have in life. He opens up our eyes to see the truth about who Jesus is and why we should follow Him and who we are in Christ. Guys, we would never be able to serve the Lord on our own. We need Him to strengthen us. We need Him to guide us. If you've asked Jesus to save you this morning, then you have the Holy Spirit inside you. He gives you the strength to do the things you can never do on your own. Look at verse 8. He continues to describe the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9 here says, Concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The second truth we learn here is that the Holy Spirit reaches where we cannot. The Holy Spirit reaches where we cannot. He goes where we cannot go. He does what we cannot do and that He reaches into people's hearts and He reveals the truth to them, something we could never do on our own. Jesus says here that's the Holy Spirit that's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to make people aware of their need for Christ. And He tells us how He does this. He says that He's going to convict them of sin because they do not believe in Me. In other words, the Holy Spirit shows us that we're wrong. Because we don't always believe we are wrong. We don't believe we need Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit showing us this. Because people don't realize they even need Jesus. They don't trust Him or follow Him. And so, they don't, so they live in their sin. They don't see a problem with that. The Holy Spirit's the one who convicts us of sin and shows us that we need forgiveness, that we need grace. He says that the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness. People think that they are good enough on their own. We think we're good enough on our own. We don't understand that our ability to do good isn't good enough. Not one of us is good enough. Only Jesus is good enough. Only Jesus has lived perfectly and done what He was supposed to do. Only Jesus. So we're not righteous. Righteous, righteous as in right with God. We're not good enough to get into heaven on our own. Like our best day, if we tried to use our best day as a reason for God to let us into heaven, we wouldn't even be close, not even a tiny bit close. We'd be, we're still so far away. We would never get into heaven based on who we are and based on what we could do. Even if we tried to present our best day, like this is the day where I live as good as it's ever going to get, God would still say it's not good enough. The Holy Spirit shows us that our good is not good enough. He convicts us of righteousness and shows us that only Jesus is righteous. Only Jesus is worthy uh, of heaven. Only Jesus is perfect. Also, he says here that he'll convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. People in this world believe that getting what they want is the most important thing. That the pleasures of this world are all that matters. Jesus says the ruler of this world is judged. He's speaking about Satan. He's saying that Satan tries to trick us into thinking that God is not good, that Jesus is not his son, and that we shouldn't follow him, but that we should do whatever we want. And so Jesus says the ruler of this world is judged because the Holy Spirit will show us, he will open up our eyes to see that this world is really a scam and doesn't follow through on its promises. Uh, yesterday we were, we were shopping for clothes with the kids at Belk, 
And I was left alone with the, the children for a few moments. And it was a great highlight. I didn't lose them or anything. It was amazing. But, but uh, as we were standing there, this woman walks by and she says, Hey, we have an Easter egg hunt here in a little bit. Why don't you guys come and join us? And as she's walking away, my son, I won't say his name so he doesn't know I'm talking about him. My son leans over to his sister and says, Don't listen to her. It's a scam. He said, Don't ever trust companies. They're lying to you. And now, I, I think I have to take credit for his cynicism, but, but uh, I mean, that's, that's the point, though, right? You don't believe what the world is selling you. Don't believe that what Satan's trying to sell you, which is this idea that you can have everything you want, that, that you can do whatever you want and everything's going to be okay. That is simply not the case. This world makes promises that it cannot keep. This world promises that the stuff that it has will satisfy you, and it's lying to you. It is scamming you. Satan is scamming you. He's telling you, don't believe that God is good. Don't believe that God can be trusted. And so the Holy Spirit comes and makes you understand and makes you realize what the Bible says is true about Him. It's true about Jesus that He really is the Son of God come to save the world from our sins. The Holy Spirit makes us see this. He reaches into our hearts and opens up our eyes. He applies the gospel to people's hearts in a way that a preacher and a teacher never could. I mean, think about it, guys. Jesus, when he ascended back into heaven, after he went to the cross, he had been preaching for like three and a half years, done all kinds of amazing miracles and everything. When he ascended back into heaven, he had like 120 people still following him. Maybe. We did. He had 120 people after three years. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost after being filled with the Holy Spirit and preaches one sermon and tells everybody they were wrong and that they shouldn't have killed the Son of God and that they were all going to hell. And 3,000 people got saved. Why is that? Was Peter a better preacher than Jesus? No. It's because the Holy Spirit had filled him. And the Holy Spirit came and convicted those people of their sin, and they saw Jesus for who he was finally. That's the difference, guys. The Spirit, when he comes, he does what we cannot do. He reaches where we cannot reach and reveals to people their sin and reveals to people that Jesus really is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. If this morning you, you know people that you've been sharing with and sharing with and sharing with and they, they just won't listen to you, you just can't reach them, the Holy Spirit can. Pray that the Holy Spirit would apply the gospel to their heart. Pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you to share the gospel, but even more so that they would, He would help them to understand and believe the gospel. The Holy Spirit does what we cannot do. Look at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Here we see that the Holy Spirit teaches what we cannot learn. Not only does He reach where we can't reach, He teaches what we can't learn. Jesus tells His disciples, guys, there's so much more I want to teach you, but you can't bear it right now. You can't understand it. You cannot stand up underneath the weight of it. You're not ready for it yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll teach you. Hear what He's saying. These guys who had Jesus as their teacher were not capable of understanding apart from the power of the Holy Spirit living within them. Until they received the Holy Spirit, they were not fully able to grasp what Jesus was teaching them. That's why when we read the Gospels, we can laugh at them and be like, ha, ha, ha. You know, they still don't get what Jesus is saying because Jesus will teach something and they'll be like, huh? I don't get it. I don't understand. 
But then when you read through the Gospels, they'll say things like, when he was saying this, they didn't understand, but after he rose from the grave, then they understood and believed. That's the power of the Spirit. Guys, it also, it, this helps us understand why we can trust the Bible, why we can depend on what we read in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is the one who guided these men to sit down and write these words. They didn't sit down and write whatever they wanted. Peter describes it as being carried along as they wrote down what, what God wanted them to write down. What, what they were not able to understand as Jesus taught, the Holy Spirit allowed them to understand and write down so that we could read it as well. And so we, we trust God's Word. We trust what He says. Guys, this is also true for us as Christians. We can sit down and read God's Word. God, God's Word, the Bible, is not like any other book. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who illuminates our hearts and our minds so that we can understand it. As we study the Word, we don't study it like we would study a textbook. We don't study it like we would study the newspaper. These are, his Word is living and is able to, to cut even uh, to, to the smallest parts of our spirit and our soul so that we can understand what God wants to show us. As you study His Word, don't sit down and just read it. That's not the goal. The goal is to understand what God wants to show you. Pray that the Holy Spirit guides you in your study. Pray that He would reveal to you what you can't understand on your own. He teaches what you can never learn. Also, we're going to skip down to verse 31. Jesus tells them they, they can't understand that, that there's things that they don't get and that He's been teaching them in figures of speech. And He tells them again that He's going to the Father and that, that after He goes to the Father, He's going to come back and and all these things, well, the, the response to the disciples give is, oh, now we understand. Now you're talking plainly to us. And, he, and they even say, now we believe you. Now we're totally on board. Now we have total faith in you, Jesus. We fully understand and we fully believe. And so Jesus has to correct them. Look at verse 31. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Hear what he's saying. He's saying, don't get too big for your britches, guys. Understand that you, you haven't quite arrived yet. In verse 33, by the way, if you memorize Scripture, 1633 is a great memory verse. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Here we see that the Holy Spirit gives us courage. Jesus is telling his disciples that they are about to face some of the hardest days they will ever face and that they should not be so overconfident that they're not willing to be humble in their presence and humble in response and allow the Spirit to work in them. He's also telling them before, ahead of time, before all this happens, that, he, that their job is not to defeat the world, that Jesus has defeated the world. It's not their job to do it. He's already won the victory for them. You, you see, as we walk as Christians, it's not about us defeating the world. It's about us believing Jesus already has won the battle. You see, I, I heard someone say one time, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. We, we, our job is not to win the war. Our job is to trust in Jesus, the one who has. And so, so how do we stay strong? How do we, how do we uh, find this courage in the middle of everything going wrong? I have three applications for us, just quickly. And the first one is this. Stay humble. Jesus tells these disciples 
who are beginning to have their chest kind of filled up like, we got this figured out, we totally believe. He, he tells them, no, 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 no. Remember, y'all are all about to run away. You're all about to be scattered. You don't have it all figured out. You don't have strength yet. But you will. You will be courageous when the Holy Spirit fills you. In fact, it's not very long after this that these men who all run and hide at the first sign of danger, they go out and they preach the gospel and they preach about Jesus boldly. In fact, the, the religious leaders take them and they beat them and they put them in front of them and they threaten to kill them. And the response the disciples give is, what should we do? We know what God has told us. We know what you're saying. I think we're going to trust God and not you. These men who had ran and hid at the, at the sense of danger now stand boldly and proclaim that Jesus is Lord and King and Savior of the world. How are they able to do that? Because they know He's defeated the world. They know it's not up to them. It's up to Him, and He's already won the battle. And so remember this morning, guys, that God is in control, and you don't have to be. Know that Jesus has won the, the war. You don't have to. Secondly, trust God's Word. Here we learn that we can trust what God has shown us in His Word. Here we see that we have a place that we can bring all the things this world tries to tell us and compare it. We can bring everything this world tries to, to, to lie to us about and compare it to God's Word. Here we see that the Spirit will use His Word and His people and His presence to undo Satan's lies. His truth is our weapon against the lies that this world wants us to believe. Ask yourself this morning, what lies are, is Satan trying to tell you? Is Satan trying to tell you that this world is all about you? God's Word says this world is all about Him. And that he, he created it for us to enjoy and then glorify Him. Is, is Satan trying to tell you that you'll never be good enough and that God will never love you? God's Word tells you that He so loved you that He sent His only Son to die for you. God's Word is our response. It is our weapon against the lies this world wants to throw at us, against the lies that Satan wants to throw at us. So know His Word. Study His Word. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in His Word with other people. He, he works uh, through our just reading the Bible on our own, but He also works through reading the Bible with other people. If you're not part of a, a small group, be, be a part of a small group. Sunday morning, Sunday school, Wednesday night small groups, come and, and study His Word together. And then the, the third point of application this morning is to take heart, to be strong, to be encouraged, to be courageous in the Lord. As we stay humble and trust the Spirit to guide us and we trust the Spirit to, to lead us and we trust His Word as we, as we stay humble, we can be encouraged and strong and courageous in the Lord by believing the Gospel, by trusting the Gospel. And so as I was thinking about what it means to take heart, what it means to be strong, I couldn't help but think about my, my wife, Crystal. And I wanted to give you an example of her bravery. She's, she's way more brave than you would ever even imagine. Um, I guess, I don't know, I, well, it's been, like, how old Zoe, eight? Seven? Eight? Eight? So it's eight years ago, I guess now. But uh, Crystal was pregnant with Zoe. And Josiah was a baby. And I'd gotten up early that morning to go work out. And uh, so I'd gotten up and I'd left. It was a long time ago, as you can tell, back when I worked out. But anyway, I, I, I'd gotten up and I'd left. And I come back to fire trucks and police in the parking lot. We, we lived in the, the church parsonage behind the church. I'm like, what in the world was going on? Did she burn down the house? What's happening? You know, that sort of thing. And so anyway, I began to talk to her about it. And apparently, while I was gone she had heard a loud bang. 
And so her response to the loud bang outside was to think someone was shooting me. And so, I mean, she's pregnant, pregnant, okay? She grabbed the, the pump shotgun out of the bedroom, no shoes, she's barefoot and pregnant, runs out the front door with the shotgun going to come to my defense. Of course, she goes out there and she sees that it's not someone shooting me. It's actually a stolen car someone had stolen and set on fire and the bang was the tires exploding. That's a whole different topic. But anyway, I mean, she just showed her bravery. And as I, as I thought about bravery this morning, I thought about her, not because of that. I, I, I just, I had to share that part. But, but I, I wanted to share with you her story. I asked her if I could share this with you and she said that I could about how she came to know Christ. You, you see, Crystal's uh, father, he wasn't a very good Dad, I mean, he, he loved her, but he didn't do much to be a part of her life when she was little. And so, you know, she never really felt like she had a, a father in her life. Well, you can imagine what that does to, to a, young, a young lady, the, the amount of insecurity and the, the amount of pain that that brings into your life. It's just not good for, for kids to be put in that situation. And so she went through the first 10 years of her life struggling with the fact that she didn't feel like she had a father. But God, who is rich in mercy, saw fit to allow Crystal to go to a church camp where a guy was preaching. And this, this preacher told her as he was preaching that even if she didn't have a daddy here on earth, she had one in heaven who loves her. He told her that if she would put her faith in, in Jesus, God would be her daddy forever her perfect father who would always be there, who would never walk away from her or disappoint her or promise to pick her up and then change his mind at the last second and be a no-show. No, God would always be there for her. All she had to do was believe in Jesus and ask him to save her. And that's what she did. She put her faith in Jesus and, and Jesus washed away all of her sins and made her right with God because Jesus had paid for her sins on the cross. And so he made Crystal clean, but he, he didn't just stop there. He didn't just wash off her sins. He made her perfect in God's eyes. So when God looks at Crystal, he doesn't see Crystal. He sees his son. He, he, Jesus gave to her his righteousness, his grade. Uh, Jesus made 100% on the, on the test of doing right, and he gave Crystal his grade. You see, believe it or not, even Crystal has sinned in her life at least four times, I'm pretty sure. Never witnessed it. But even she needed the blood of Jesus to be forgiven. And so she, she asked him to save her, and he did. And so that's what Jesus says here when he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When he says he's going away, he's going to pay for their sins to make them clean and whole so that they can receive the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus didn't stop at paying for Crystal's sin. He didn't stop at just giving her a perfect record with God and washing away her sins. He also gave her the Holy Spirit. You see, Crystal, as a 10-year-old little girl, when she asked Jesus to save her, received the Holy Spirit who came and lived within her and taught her the truth about who she is in Christ. She is not unloved. She is not forgotten. She is not discarded. She is a, a highly loved, chosen, and favored princess of the King. She's not someone who no one cares about. She's someone who God cares about so desperately that he sent his only son to die for her. You, you see, the Holy Spirit tells us the truth about God's love for us. He reminds us when the devil would come and say, oh, you're not good enough, you're not worthy. 
The Holy Spirit reminds us, no, you are worthy. You are a child of the King. You have received the spirit of adoption. Not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption by which you cry out, Daddy, Papa. You see, He gives Crystal strength to do the things that she's called to do, to, to be able to be a pastor's wife and deal with the pastor, to move across the country, to go to school or move back across the country again. The Holy Spirit reminds her of Jesus' words. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Guys, the way that we are courageous, the way that we are strong is not because we could ever be strong enough in our own. The way that we are strong is when we remember the gospel. When the Holy Spirit living within us reminds us of who He is and what Christ has done, of what He offers us. He wants to remind you this morning that you, if you're a child of the God, you are a child of the King. You're greatly loved. You are forgiven and made perfect in God's eyes by the power of Christ. You're set free from sin and death and you are called to live for your Savior. You don't have to live in sin anymore. You don't have to live in fear anymore. You don't have to live in those things anymore. You've been set free by the King. And the Holy Spirit has come to live within you to empower you to do those things. And, and so if you're a believer here this morning, I want to remind you of this truth. Preach the gospel to yourself again and again. Repent of your sin. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for messing up. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin and restore to you the joy of His salvation. Allow Him to teach you the truths that you need to know so desperately. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you are called to do. And guys, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, whatever your situation is, whether you're a 10-year-old little girl saying, man, I, you know, I need a father. Oh wait, Dad, if God can be my father. I want Him as my daddy. Or if you, maybe you've done the worst things you could possibly be imagined. Or, or maybe you're pretty good and you can count most of your sins on one hand. No matter who you are, you can be saved and you need to be saved. You need to be forgiven of your sins. You need the helper to come and live within you. You cannot do it on your own. Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to live with you forever. He wants you to live with him forever. In fact, he wants it so much that he died on the cross in your place. And He asks you to put your faith in Him this morning. He asks you to trust on Him to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have broken your law. I've broken your commands. I have blown it. Would you please give me your grace? Would you please save me? And guess what He'll say? Absolutely. And the Holy Spirit will come and live within you and He'll change you from the inside out. If you've never asked Him to save you, would you ask Him to do that this morning? If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. And as you do that, I just want to ask you, have you put your faith in Christ this morning? Have you believed on Him? What's your relationship to the Lord like? Have you ever asked Him to save you? Have you been believing that you can't be saved? That God can never forgive you? He can. And He will. He can forgive and He can save anyone no matter what you've done. The Holy Spirit wants to t tell you that this morning. Maybe this morning you've gone through life thinking you don't need God. I pray that even now He'd be revealing to you, oh, you absolutely do. You need Him to save you. You need Him to forgive you. Would you ask Him to do that? Would you ask Him to, to open up your eyes and open up your heart to see your need of grace this morning, to see your need of forgiveness? 
Did you ask him to save you? Ask him to say, Lord, I, I need you to forgive me. I need you to save me. Ask him, repent of your sin. Say, Lord, I, I'm turning from my sin and I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. If you would do that, he will forgive you and he will save you. Let's stand. and pray this morning if you've never 